Greetings, I'm Ellen Rohr. At Bare Bones Biz, we believe that your business can be a path to peace, prosperity, and freedom. Sound good? Great. Welcome to the Bare Bones Biz radio show. Hey, if you just want to make some more money, you've come to the right place, too. On my show, I invite smart business builders to share success tips and tell their inspiring tales of challenge and triumph. So, saddle up, Biz Builder. The Bare Bones Biz Radio Show starts right now. Hey, it's Ellen, and I'm so excited to be here with rock star Glenn Bill, who is going to talk sales with me today. Hey, Glenn, how are you? I'm fabulous, Ellen. Thanks for having me on your show today. Well, we are delighted to have met you because we have a mutual friend, Jeff Gittimer. Yes. And yes. um, I want to hear your story. I'm going to start with a little bit of housekeeping today, all right? So hang tight a moment, Glenn, and we'll get started with the Bare Bones Biz Radio Show. Hey, if you want to follow along, you can see, We put together a little handout, little being the operative word, but sometimes that's helpful for you to just keep us on track. Go to barebonesbiz.com forward slash radio, barebonesbiz.com forward slash radio. At Bare Bones Biz, we are obsessed with helping you discover the freedom that is perhaps hiding in your own business, your own extraordinary business. So we help you discover that freedom. We focus on business planning, and at Bare Bones Biz, we define business planning in these ways. Our business plan program has these essential elements, setting sight, getting clear on your vision and your intention, building the team, finding the right players, Making money, my favorite aspect of business. Getting it sold, getting it done, and making sure. Now, at the Bare Bones Biz Radio Show, we always incorporate one of those areas of your business with a rock star expert who is going to help us expand that section of your business, get you inspired, give you some strategies and tips to make things happen. And so today, focusing on getting it sold is Glenn Bill. So if you're um, uh, on the, the, the lines today, you can call in, you can ask questions. If you want to ask a question, you have to call in. So jot down this number. It's 347-637-2284, 347-637-2284. You can listen online as well, but if you're moved to ask a question, jump on the phone line, call in, and if I see your hand go up, I'll, I'll uh, interrupt Glenn and we'll ask your question. You can raise your hand by pressing the number one on your keypad if you've called in, 347-637-2284, and then press the number one to raise your hand, and we'll make this a a lively and interactive show. I love talking about sales, and you are a master, Tiger. I've been looking at your resume. I didn't know you had billions and billions of dollars in sales to your name. I'm so glad I'm going to learn from you today, Glenn. Oh, thank you. It's, uh, you know, Zig Ziglar always said, there's an old saying, uh, there's no way turtles get to the top of the fence post on their own. And, um, <laughs> you know, I've been to surround myself with uh, great people who have inspired and trained me to do great things. And uh, certainly, you know, developing that relationship and giving that value to your customers and creating a family atmosphere with the people that can support you in your sales career uh, is really what it's all about. And for the past 22, 23 years, um, I've tried to develop a family atmosphere with my clients and my customers uh, that, you know what, when I don't even sell, I'm just having fun and enjoying the company of my customers and clients. And you know what, we're 
we're selling homes like crazy here in Indianapolis, Indiana. Well, this is fun. We probably have some uh, mutual friends. I, I, I told you uh, earlier, my, my background is primarily contracting. I'm the wife of a plumber, and this is how I got involved in the contracting business. I was sinking my business and uh, got sick and tired of doing that. So I found a great mentor uh, along with all the other mentors that I ultimately would meet through books and, and personal experience. It sounds like you've had a lot of help in your career, too. But my buddy Frank Blau is the one who told me to charge more than it costs, which seemed like a fantastic idea when I finally discovered it. But I know some uh, plumbers in uh, in Indianapolis. Um, the Carters, have you heard of Carter Service? Absolutely have. Called my plumber. All right. Who else? Yay. So keep your, eye, keep your eye out for them. I love Indianapolis. Okay, so, Glenn, let's talk a little bit about your history. Give us a Reader's Digest version of uh, you were born at a very early age, and then how did you get to be right here an expert on sales on the Blog Talk Radio Show today? Okay, well, I'll I'll try to uh, put 42 years into about two minutes. Um, Excellent. Yeah. So, you can take uh, three. I was a um, college football player, Division One college football player at Ball State University. Is that where David Letterman went to school? That is where David Letterman went to school. Woo! Okay. A little bit older than me. And um, my my family decided to start me uh, a little bit early. And so uh, I left the uh, football game and got into the sales game. And a wonderful young man named Dusty Asbury, he was a leasing agent, or he was a property manager of an apartment that I started to lease, he said, you know, you'd be really good at helping people move into our apartments. And so uh, I took the job because I was 18 years old, and um, I needed the money. And uh, I, the first success I had was I took a property management company that had over, I think, 680 units for lease. They were running about 25% vacancy. And um, my first sales promotion was I went to a grocery store, and I I told a guy that uh, I wanted to buy $300 in gift certificates to his grocery store. This is back when grocery stores were owned by mom and pops mm-hmm. uh, for $150. And um, my first promotion was that if you leased a place from us, we would give you one week's worth of free groceries. It was a $300 coupon to this grocery store. That we of course paid 154. Well, needless to say, we our first ad ran that one week's worth of free, or I think we said it was one month's worth of free groceries, and uh, I had that place leased up to 95% within two months. And of course, I negotiated the difference of the $300 uh, gift certificate as a commission for me. Nice. And, isn't that nice? <laughs> so they they hired me expecting you know that I would get it up. But I created this incentive-based pay thing and became successful at it. And the next thing he said, he said, you're so successful, why don't you go ahead and get into the real estate game where they pay your real commissions? And so uh, at at, uh, 19, I got my license and joined uh, the Century 21 organization. I had a great company, Century 21 Gold Key Realtors. I worked with uh, a 70-person office. It was out of an old steak and ale building on Keystone Avenue. And, boy, that's where I really learned the value of teamwork and environment and creating an environment and an atmosphere where people wanted to sell. And uh, I, I just had some great people I sold with there, and I, I quickly became, at 19, 20 years old, uh, the number one sales and listing associate in the office. 
And there were people that were a bit envious and didn't know how I did it. And uh, at 23, I had such great success in selling. I never forget my first check. Uh, my broker took half of it, and I didn't understand that when they hired me that the broker would get half. So quickly my brain automatically went to, I think I need to own a brokerage. And so uh, at 23, I found two great partners, and we bought a uh, franchise that was struggling. And uh, over the next 13 years, uh, grew that from 16 agents to over 160 agents and revenues from 600000 over $8 million. Uh, just delivering the atmosphere and the environment and the quality, service, and value that agents deserve and customers deserve in the marketplace. And then at 37, I uh, found some more people that changed my life that uh, felt like what I built was of value right before the crash. <laughs> and they purchased my franchise, and we act, at that time had three offices. And, um, and uh, I've been with them selling real estate ever since. And uh, for the past three years, and uh, I have uh, grown my, a lot of people said, how did you do what you did? And I'm, so I've developed two different real estate training programs uh, that covered what I did and how I did it with the agents and how I grew my company and how we were able to go in and negotiate for our buyers and sellers. And uh, those programs are called Source of Sales and Stretch. And uh, after I developed those, I got in touch with the Jeffrey Gittimer organization, and uh, they had a search for talent for their speakers. And uh, Jeffrey was gracious enough, and his staff was gracious enough to uh, include me as one of their Gittimer certified speakers. And, and that's, that's how we discovered you, because we're big fans of uh, Jeff Gittimer's association, and I know that uh, if you're good enough to be on Jeffrey's team, that that's uh, um, in addition to all the other great things you've accomplished, that's certainly something that speaks highly of your accomplishments and your good nature. So we're so excited to have you on the on the call. Now, before we get into some of the specifics of how you um, can help people increase their sales and develop these terrific cultures, I love the way you're talking about your team and, and talking about your customers. It isn't like 16 tactics to get them say, to say yes when they really hate your guts. I'm glad, you know, that, that, that that's not what we're going to share today. What you're sharing is all about love and respect and fun and family, and, and I think that that's going to resonate, certainly resonating with me, and I expect it's going to resonate with our dear listeners today. But before we jump into that, what's interesting about your story is that You've always been in real estate. You didn't have like 10 different jobs to discover what you wanted to do. You know, uh, that's true. I I am one of those people, though, that, that does multiple things. Um, in real estate, I, I'm blessed. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's heaven sent. I, I found a career that I love. But what people don't, most people don't understand is I actually functioned as a broker owner of a company and as a salesperson. So that's really two jobs. I run in when I was growing our company, they said, you sell too? And I said, of course. I mean, I, I sell, I can sell in my sleep. I love selling. I love selling. <laughs> and I, I'm not necessarily, however, we had great growth in our company uh, one of my weaknesses was really managing and, uh, you know, looking at the books. I just as soon spend all the money on my people instead of keep a profit for myself. I had so much fun building my company. Uh, 
it was about having fun, not making a profit, which is the number one rule you don't want to be if you're an owner of a company. Okay, so if you're listening to the radio show, just delete the last 30 seconds of that conversation. Well, the thing is I learned my lesson. I mean, I, I could have obviously uh, had even more, but uh, it you know what? The uh, experiences and relationships that we cultivated, you know, was it worth the lost profit? You know, it, emotionally, yes, but certainly financially, not. And so I let a lot of things slip, and that's just not the way to run a business when it's all said and done. So, but you know, I'm, with- I'm getting so much more um, uh, accepting as I get older. I think this is one of the the fun things about getting older is that I'm less likely to make a person wrong because when the smoke clears, it just doesn't matter, and everything builds to the next thing, and you can lose today and win tomorrow. So I guess that that my perspective anymore is that you get to do what you want to do. And it sounds like you have made a career of doing that, of setting your sights on something and going and getting it. Absolutely. And, you know, one other little thing that people might find interesting, I've coached high school football for the past 20 years and uh, as a defensive line coach, an assistant, which put me in the community. And uh, although that's an incredible sacrifice of time, when you get involved with a hundred kids and their families, that can become very profitable in terms of business referrals. Um, and the, the the good thing is, is we won eight state championships in those twenty years. Get out! Yes, that is rocking. We have uh, we have the state record for state championships, but you know, more importantly, when you're winning, it helps the referrals come. I'm sure if we lost, and I wasn't a very <laughs> coach. Now, I may have been run out of town, and nobody would have done business with me. So you know uh, that is that's true, isn't it? That that, but it resonates that way. That you know you were um, uh, you're willing to play the game. I mean, isn't business just a game? Uh, business is just a game, and when you look at ancillary relationships or community opportunities, just don't. Exp- you need to do them great if you're going to volunteer your time to different organizations or whatever. Be great at it. Just don't say. Well, I joined the Kiwanis. Why aren't, I, why aren't I getting business? Well, if you're not making a difference in whatever environment you're in, you're not going to get business from extracurricular and community activities. So you need to always live for greatness, and you need to be a difference maker in the people that you touch. You know, again, to touch on something you you said in your your um, story, your experience as an athlete has colored your experience as a, a salesperson. How did you, you know, as a kid and, and helping other kids, what, was there a moment, an aha moment or a, a moment of epiphany as a kid that made you decide to be great and to go for greatness as, as opposed to just mail it in? Because I just heard that in what you were saying about getting involved in athletics and in your community. Yeah, I mean, it's, I got really two different sides to that answer. You know, number one, it comes down, every person in life has what's called a critical question. And that's the question that constantly runs through your mind over and over and over again, especially in times of decision-making and stress. You find yourself asking this question. It's over and over and over. When you have to make decisions and you're stressed out, there's a question that you answer that propels you. Uh, I was told throughout my my youth that I couldn't be a Division One football player. You know, I started out as a quarterback. For those of you who know football, you know, that's kind of a glory position. I ended up a, a lineman. And so 
I had people tell me throughout my life I couldn't do things. And so my critical question in my life became, what does can't mean? And if you read my Twitter, you know, I moved people from can't to can in a loving and constructive manner. I added that later because football is a fairly violent game. But my critical question was, what does can't mean? And it used to just, I used to hate people whenever they would use the word can't around me. And so that's really, you know, sports developed my critical question. Uh And uh, each one of the people that are listening today, and you, when you really think about times of great decision-making in your life and times that you've been the most stressed in your life, there's probably one question that's been driving you to, 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 that you've had the answer that caused you to do what you did, when you did it, and why you did it. And so the critical questions, the first answer to your question, the second aha moment came in coaching. And when we coach our teams, what, it, what we really get down to is you see, on a true team, and football is the ultimate team sport, uh, you truly cease to exist as an individual. And that's what we tell our kids. And if you if you care more about the person on your right and the person on your left, you know, that means you're going to have two people caring about you more than you should care about yourself, which really can make you a better person. So, you know, when I get into sales situations, I try to, to care and look out for the people on my right and left as opposed to, to looking out for me. So those are the two big lessons, you know, I learned from that. You know, I think one of the things in uh, uh, contracting, maybe more so than some other industries, is that sales has a negative connotation. You know, if you walk into a real estate office, most folks who have chosen that career are going to be comfortable celebrating sales. Maybe that's not so true. But if you decide you want to be a plumber or an electrician or a roofer, sales may not be the driving force that caused you to choose that profession. Does that make sense to you? Absolutely. And so what I'm loving so much about our conversation, Glenn, is how um, loving your approach to sales is, how kind it is, how it's not insulting my soul to listen to you talk about sales. Because some salespeople really do put us off, and there is some truth to some of the stereotypes. I didn't used to believe that until I've been in some situations where I've been getting a – um, uh, a hard sell, um, uh, you know, take no prisoners approach, you're going to close or you're going to die trying. You know, I've been in situations where I've thought, oh, this is so awful. But it doesn't have to be that way, and that's why I'm excited for you to share some specifics. So of the – that you, you said you had two types of um, sales training, sales approaches that you like to take. One is stretch training. What was the other one? The other one's called source of sales. Source of sales. Yes. Okay. Uh, why don't you pick one okay. and tell us about it? Well, if I can, I just want to back up real quick to what you said because I, I think you said there's several contractors that listen to you, mm-hmm. and and um, you know everybody is in sales, mm-hmm. and because you're an electrician or a plumber doesn't mean you're in sales. What, what I can tell you is. The, the plumbers and electricians I work with are people that educate me and entertain me and have a true passion for what they do. And some people may go, well, how do you have a passion for, you know, being an electrician or being a plumber? You know, I don't I don't get it. But what I found in the plumbing in the plumbing contractors I know a lot of it's 
family-based. It's like, you know, yeah. that's, that's what their family did. So when we talk about love and connection, which is the number one need everybody has anyway, you know, uh, if you become an advocate and an educator of your trade, that is sales. And if you can, people, let me let me tell you this, customers of plumbers and electricians feel totally inadequate and stupid. And so when plumbers and electricians take the time to maybe just that extra minute or two to explain what they've done or try to explain what they're doing, uh, that is going to create referrals and that's going to create callback business. So even though they're tradesmen and women, uh, how they conduct themselves with their customers means everything and it will boost their business. So that's just one sales tip for those people out there that that applies to. And I can feel this kind of collective you know, release, relax, that that's what we want to be true. And it's nice to have the validation that, yeah, that is true, that that sales don't have to insult your soul. They can feel good. And it is all about developing the kind of relationships that um, make you feel good and, and are, are uh, rewarding. So I'm, I'm loving your approach. That's good. Okay. And, and, you know, Jeffrey uh, teaches all the time. I mean, you know, people that make you feel like crap, in sales, that that whole ball game is over. I mean, it's yeah. done, and um, it just doesn't work. And and what Jeffrey focuses on is why people like to buy. They don't want to be sold. They love to buy, and it's about value creation. You know, how can I create value? And you know, I can talk a lot about. So you know, he's just launched his new book, Social Boom, which is just ungodly good. And anyone listening should be out and and getting into what is called social boom and buying his book because uh, it's very simple. It's very, you know, it's it's so overwhelming. But when you read it, you're like, okay, you know what? There's a few simple steps I can do to to generate sales in my business. The the days of the cold call are over, and those who understand how to educate and entertain on in social media. Uh, are going to make sales. So that's a little plug for Jeffrey's new book. But if you want, I can go ahead and talk about let's choose stretch. Well, let's continue that plug for a moment because we are going to participate in the launch. We love Jeffrey. I've got a lineup of his books in the office. We've given away hundreds of copies. We totally love um, his approach because when I first met him, he's kind of uh, in your face. He swears. I love to swear, so that, that worked for me. But his his delivery um, doesn't give away how soft and kind he really is. And as you read his books and you start to listen to his message, he really resonates with us and our team. So we are so happy to help support the launch of the new book. Oh, that, so we'll that, be participating too. Yeah, that's great. And, and uh, one thing that I learned, yeah, Jeffrey is extremely kind, extremely giving, and, um, yeah, on the outside you don't see it, but, boy, being able to work closely with him and observe him, uh, he's he's just a pretty incredible person, That's not like any person I've met. And, you know, I, I set a goal to meet uh, Tom Hopkins, who's, who was, who's one of my trainers in real estate who I love, and I got to spend a week uh-huh. with him, and I got to meet Tony Robbins last year, and I got to meet Jeffrey Gittimer, and, and um, you know what, uh, he's Jeffrey's just a, a different really positive, caring, loving person, as really all three of those guys are. 
But uh, isn't that fun? I know I've met Tom Hopkins. I haven't met uh, Anthony Robbins yet, but Tom Hopkins is just fantastic and a rock star. Let me do a little interruption before we go to the the next segment where we talk about um, source source development or stre- stretch training. We'll talk about stretch and stretch training. Um, if you want to ask Glenn a question, you can do so by calling in three four seven. Six three seven two two eight four, and then raise your hand by pressing the number one. In the bare bones biz plan, we talk about getting things sold. In the getting things sold section of the business plan, I suggest you find a sales trainer and adopt a sales system, one that doesn't insult your soul. And that's what we're going to explore right now. So let's talk about stretch training. Sure, that's great. Uh, my stretch training uh, companies hire me to come in and. It's basically four sessions, uh, two hours per session, uh, and or we can do it in one day. A lot of times, depending on what we do, we'll do two days of four hours or we'll do one day of eight hours, but by that time, people are brain dead by hour six because when I train, I'm talking much slower than I do when I train. And, you know, the first phase or the first day we talk about are expectations and understanding the how and the why what you expect matters. And I, I always make, you know, nobody wants to talk about goals, but they'll talk about expectations all day. So I don't call it my goal-setting day. I call it my expectation day. And we go, walk through, you know, we help people identify what they expect of themselves and, more importantly, what they expect of others for their success. So many people are uh, not necessarily willing to set expectations on others. And I think for great client relationships, you know what? You need to tell your clients what you expect. And if you don't have the guts to do it, they're going to walk all over you. And you know what? When there's no respect in the sales relationship, there's usually no commission to follow. The uh, next thing we'll talk about is understanding what your clients are expecting of you. I mean, it amazes me that salespeople a lot of times don't even take into consideration what their clients are expecting, nor do they even ask them up front. And so we go through a process, of a questioning process of uh, uncovering what clients expect of us. Um, and we talk to people about how to identify if your expectations are self-limiting. Sometimes people create expectations in their life where, you know what, they're actually limiting themselves and they're not going for everything they should be going for. We have a sales expectation test uh, and we interpret their results. And, and uh, it's a 40-question quiz. Uh, that asks, you know, a series of questions, and what it comes down to, we grade you in four different ways. You're fit for sales, uh, you're in need of some exercise, you're in need of a trainer, and if if you score 0 to 39, then you need to go on the biggest loser because your expectations aren't that good. (laughs) And and then what we talk about is ultimately making your decision because, you know, greatness is found in the moments of a decision uh, for greatness and we ch- and we challenge people to quote unquote stretch themselves on day one. So we really set up, you know, that you know what are you really expecting of yourself? And we delve into that because some people go, hell, I've I've never even thought about what I expect of myself. And what I like to say is, whatever your life looks like today is probably what you've expected of yourself when it's all said and done. Mm-hmm. And uh, that becomes eye opening for some people. So. That's kind of our first pillar is the day of expectation. So that's the first of the four keys. The first of the four keys. First of the four key components. 
Right, or the first of what we train. We get okay. we get people's minds right, so their expectations are right. Because here's the deal: you do what you expect yourself to do. Others do what you expect them to do. Believe it or not, and and you at times can do what others expect you to do. So this, it's all about expectation and how you create. You know your vision, which you've talked about. I mean, it's all really the same thing. But well, uh, it, it is, and it um, uh, it made me think of something too specific to um, contractors. But I'm sure there's a lot of uh, industries that have the same issue. So often, I see a business owner bending over backwards for a client who doesn't pay, who's a pain in the butt, is never ready when they say they're going to be ready, and yet they keep giving, giving, giving in the hopes that they'll do it good enough, that the the contract... At some point, you cannot jump high enough for some of the people you're calling your customers. Uh, absolutely. And that that comes really... That can come... Two things go on there, you know, Uh Number one, we talk about that critical question. A lot of people say, how can I make people happy? That's how they live their life. Every decision they make is answering that critical question, how can I make my customers happy? And then you end up a lap dog, and your customers uh-huh. come to you, and you end up poor. And so uh, in, the, in the case of the contractor, yeah, it's that upfront contract that says, what are you expecting? You know, it's so tough in, in that business because – you can't write down everything that could or should or would happen. And 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 I do this. I flip homes, and I, I have relationships with contractors and customers that I, you know, I build homes too. And um, I always tell them, you know what, this isn't going to turn out the way you think it's going to turn out. That's just human nature. They all have this idea of what the end job is going to look like, and I think it's good to set the expectation that, Whatever you're thinking this is going to look like, it may not, and you need to be okay with that. And we need to talk about what you're going to expect when that happens. And so sometimes we can, you know, alleviate that tension uh, mm-hmm. and that and that conflict up front and setting the right expectations. Nice. Okay, I love that. All right. So um, day two, and this is really a real estate program. Uh, and that really comes, this gets to my Tommy Hopkins influence. Mm-hmm. And and the point is, you know, doctors speak a language, uh, lawyers speak a language, and salespeople speak a language. And salespeople need to start learning that. And I'm not talking about a language that uh, makes people feel inferior where they feel pressured into a sale. But what I'm talking about is having a professional sales language. Do you know how you sound to a customer? What you say matters. Sales is emotional, and uh, there's positive emotion. There's words that create positive emotional residual, and there's words that create negative emotional residual. And Tom Hopkins, you know, God love him, um, you know, has covered this. He calls them nasty words. And um, when we talk about, you know, people don't want to ever, you know, we, we never say the word sign a contract. We say, let's sign an agreement. When you say sign a contract, what's the first thing that happens? People go, oh, I'm not signing any contract. I need and, a lawyer. That's right. I need a lawyer. Or in, in our business, we talk about, you know, sometimes people say, hey, you want to buy this. Well, you know, people don't necessarily want to buy, but they love to own. And so, you know, the words you use make a difference. And and so we go through in that session 
what those nasty words can be, how we can rephrase things that, uh, again, create positive expectations, good relationships, and good feelings even when things go wrong. And you so know, we, let me jump in with the, a little suggestion here. I don't, I want, I don't want to get us too far off track. But as you said that, that reminded me, I'm a big fan of the ride along, especially if you have a team that goes out into the field and you've got your fingers crossed and you're hoping that they're doing well. But you really don't know unless you ride along and you observe somebody in, in the selling um, uh, process. You know, creating those relationships with their customers. And if you ride along and you shut up and listen. You can see the effect that someone's words has on the other person by just watching. And you can start to make a note, oh, man, when he said that, that person recoiled. And that's how I started to get better at selecting my words. And I could watch someone who'd use a word, like one of my favorite words is explore. Well, let's explore that. Explore is just so non-threatening. It's really nice. Nobody gets their underwear in a bunch. But I heard someone say that, and I saw the good response that, it had on the person that they were talking to, and that's how I started to learn some better words. Well, it's like, you know, the husband that comes home to the wife, and, and she's been working all day, and she gives him a look, and he goes, what's your problem? <laughs> As opposed to him coming home and saying, honey, are you okay? See, it, you know, two different ways to say the same thing. And uh, yeah. that's what I'm talking about, you know. <laughs> There's ways to be polite and likable, and um, sometimes, you know, meaning is so much what one thing means to one person doesn't necessarily mean to another person. And you can say the exact same thing, but what it means to me and what it means to you are two totally different things, you know? Uh, And so that's... So this is how we develop our language as salespeople. Correct, correct. Uh, so you want me to go into day three, or do you want to talk about day two some more? No, let's go. Let's go all the way through them. We're doing great. Okay. Okay. And if you've got a question, by the way, call in three four seven six three seven two two eight four, or if you're on the line already, just press the number one, and I'll interrupt Glenn because uh, we're having fun. But you're welcome to join the party. Okay, go for it. So, what's the third pillar? The third component. Our our third pillar is what really you know people have a tough time putting their finger on, and that's called value. And, you know, we look at defining what value is and what, you know, what is your definition of value and what's the marketplace's definition of value. Uh, We test your value. You know, am I really worth what I charge? So many people, you know, we we help people get over, I'm going to do business with X because their price is less. And, and when you're getting objections that, that are all price-based, that means that you're not really delivering value to your customer, uh, which is, you know, a perceived uh, gift to your customer. Value is, is, you know, what you bring outside of price. It's something that's done for the customer in favor of the customer prior to them even engaging you. And that's how you create value. And we really help people uh, understand how to generate their client base and their email list and deliver va- to deliver value. And, and, again, with social media, it's free to do. And, um, you know, for contractors, you know, for a contractor to grab a flip phone and do a two-minute uh, commercial on uh, 12, 12 ways you can save on water consumption in your home and you email that to your customer base once a month and, 
trust me, you're going to create value, and people aren't going to care what you charge because they're like, wow, he's giving me these 12 incredible tips. And uh, maybe if you've saved them $100 on their water bill over the year, that that gets rid of all the uh, negotiation of fees. So you know, when we Love talk, that. yeah, when we're talking about value, that's what we're that's what we're talking about. Giving value up front, front real benefits. And you know, people go, how do we know? Well, I got an idea. Ask your customers. Ask your customers. You know, what information and knowledge do I have that you would like to know? And and it might be, you know, everybody in, in plumbing. You know, everybody has the chain that falls off the toilet lever. And, you know, to do a simple video on that and say, look, instead of calling me, just fix this yourself. It's real simple. Maybe there's three or four repairs that people can actually do on their own if your contractors had a video library that showed them how to fix it step by step. And instead of them calling you and you charging them, they go to your website where you provided more value. They they are able to fix their own thing. But here's the point. When their friend needs a new water heater or when their friend needs a new water system or a new sewer line or whatever is really pricey, guess who's going to be at the top of mind? And mm-hmm. so, you know, it costs you nothing in social media to do it. It may cost you a $50 service call because they're not going to call you, but it could get you a $10,000 plumbing referral. And that's what it's all about. And, and it is just just adding a little, a little bit extra. I remember... Um, once upon a time, my husband, the plumber, went on a service call for the editor of our local newspaper. So we're like, oh, you know, it would be really nice to have them say something about you in the paper. So he just went over and did what he always did. But when the the, the woman wrote the uh, did write a, a full-page article about her experience with this contractor, and it was my husband, she focused on the fact that he fixed her teapot, that they were sitting there talking, and she was picking up the teapot, and it rattled, and he didn't say anything he just like reached over like may i and took the teapot from her and while they were chatting fixed the teapot handle because he had the stuff and he knows how and he just can't help himself but it's that the way to add value is sometimes just with a drop it doesn't have to be an avalanche a drop at a time is what can make all the difference absolutely absolutely nice but adding value i heard an expression when price equals value there'll be no sale because Correct. you're looking for a deal. So most folk, to create the inequality where price is less than value, will reduce the price because it's the it's the um, ignorant man's trick, right? Yeah. Or women's trick. The but women. the real yeah. game is leave the price where it needs to be, raise the price even higher if you want to make more money and have more fun, and then figure out how to ladle on so much value that folks say, oh, he's expensive, but so worth it. And, and the trick to creating value for anybody that's listening is to survey and question your company, your customers because they will tell you what they value. And you got to ask them, what are you valuing me most? And that's what Jeffrey says in a lot of his books. You know what? All the answers are right in front of you. They're your past customers. But we don't bother, mm-hmm. to, ask, we don't bother to ask them why they do business with us and what do they value about us. And when we get those answers... Number one, they feel listened to and they'll keep coming back. But uh, you can expand and you can grow with what they're telling you and really do some incredible things to service your customer base. I'm taking notes over here. It's it's reminding me of something Jim Rohn. Are you a fan of Jim Rohn? Well, of course. 
Of course. And Jim Rohn says, I use this expression all the time, it's easy to do the things you need to do to be successful. It's just even easier not to do them. Because yeah. nothing that you've described is very complicated. Now you um, just segued into pillar number four. Woohoo! Which is the battle of two easies. And what day four is all about is your effort, stretching your effort. Because when it's all said and done, um, the secret is effort. And we get people to really understand uh, and become honest about, am I giving the effort it takes to uh, be of value, to be of service, and to be at the top of my game? Because, you know, Emerson's rule of compensation states that you only get out of something what you put into it. And uh, people do not feel deserving, you know, if they're, if they're not giving the effort, they don't feel deserving of high reward. And so we, we focus on that and we work through that. And we also focus on just what you said on Jim Rohn's great quote that's timeless, is it's the battle of two easies. You know what, it's, there's things that are, it's, why don't people do what they do? Well, you know, anything that you can do is easy. Uh, but it's always easier not to do it. And so we, we delve into to Jim's uh, paradigm there, and I get people to think about what are the things they're not doing, why are they not doing it, and the reason they're not doing it is because it's easier not to do it. And mm -hmm. so there's only one answer for that, and that is effort. And you have to create the effort, the momentum, and the motion uh, to change your state and to make it easy uh, it's you got to make it hard not to do. In other words, there's got to be more pain. When you don't do something, you have to link pain, that's some Tony Robbins stuff, uh, to it. So if you're not performing and you're not doing what you know you should do, uh, then it becomes too painful not to do it. And so, well, let, let's talk about then, because, you know, it's not usually the tactics that we're lacking. You know, right. we've heard a lot of this, we've been to the sales training. What can be frustrating is why don't people do what they could do to be more successful? Give me your take on that. Well, I think, number one, it starts with uh, what they expect of themselves, you know. Uh, are you a person that expects uh, mediocrity? Are you a person that expects, you know, average results? And so it comes down to, you know, your identity. If you have an identity that I'm a doer, I'm an achiever, and people will follow what their identity is. So number one is expectation and identity. You know, number two is uh, they choose the path of least resistance, which is not to do, it, to do it, which supports their identity. And number three, they you know, it's an emotional game, and you said it earlier, and this is all a game. Mm -hmm. So emotionally... Um, you know, they, they feel no pain uh, when they don't perform the, the way they should perform. So, yes, people all the time go, well, I know what to do, but I'm just not doing it. And I'm like, okay, well, why aren't you doing it? And um, their answers usually go, well, I don't know. And I'm like, well, if you don't know, if you did know, what would that answer be? And the bottom line is two people have uh, two major fears in life. Number one, I'm not going to be loved, and number two, I'm not good enough. And that's really what it comes down to. I mean, those are the two fundamental, basic uh, human fears that exist. 
when you dig down and ask that question, why don't you know why don't you do what you know you should do? If you dig deep enough, one of those two will come out. I don't think I'm good enough or you know what, I don't think they're gonna like me. And uh becoming a professional speaker, I I, I mean I have there's there's 16 Gittimer certified speakers and they're all extremely talented and they're all excellent speakers. I mean, I'm a sales guy and Jeffrey was gracious enough and his staff Jay and Michelle to include me in this great group of people and trust me, I've dealt with, you know, am I good enough as a speaker and will they like me as a speaker because I've just been a kick-ass salesperson all my life. And uh, and so it's a new talent. But I love the challenge of, of growing myself and doing something different, you know, outside of sales. Uh, but I think part of my part of my analysis is a lot of the speakers out there aren't top-notch salespeople. So uh, you know, I'm trying to help speakers become better salespeople, moving them from can to can, and hopefully those speakers are going to help this salesperson become a better speaker someday. So you talked about those needs. What other human needs do people have? Because it doesn't that play in, you know, as as we um, are intending to be of service and solve problems, knowing some basics about human nature, you know, help us out with that a little bit. Well, okay. I uh, that's like a two hour seminar, and I think we got ten minutes, but I'll try to I'll try to cover it fairly quickly. Okay. That's, <laughs> Uh, and, and this is always fun to reflect on. Um, you know, there's four basic human needs, and the, the first two are in paradox with each other, and they, that is called certainty, the need to feel certain about things, and uncertainty. And so, you know, in a sales game, there are people, there are customers that want to feel certain. And so you need to create that certainty in their life about what you're delivering. And if you're uncertain as a salesperson that what you're selling isn't what's best for the customer, they will pick up on that. That will create some uncertainty in their life, and they will not buy from you. So the two needs of certainty and uncertainty, they're paradoxical. They work together, and you need to understand where your customers lie. Most customers and most people in America want to live in certainty. And there's salespeople that want to live in certainty. And what happens when you're living in a life, uh, you know, of certainty is you tend to lower your standards. And you tend to say, you know what, as long as I keep my standards low, I at least know where I stay. And so uh, I go into this, like I said, this is a two-hour session that I do on certainty and uncertainty. But even in human relationships, um, you, you look at, you know, a couple where both husband and wife live in the state of certainty. And what that creates or can create is very low expectations of the other partner, creates a boring, dull marriage. So those of you who are married, there's usually one partner or successfully married that is very certain, and there's one that likes to live in a little uncertainty. And when we look at why people, you know, leave their spouses, a lot of times they say, hell, they're, you know, they're boring. I need a little uncertainty, so I'm going to go out and find some uncertainty. Okay, so so if you're on the call, press the number one if your marriage sucks, and we'll put you on the line. (laughs) No, we'd have to go over. Never mind. That's right. Sales calls. That's right. You can have me. (laughs) 
but it, it it's a fun it's a fun no, but way. this is this is fun and this is uh it is a deep topic because I think that's what's so exciting about sales is that it is this opportunity to ask these big questions and to consider these um global concepts you know the nature of people what gets them to move and to respond right and and in my real estate business. You know, I was just with a couple last night that was uncertainty, and you know what? They want a little uncertainty in their lives. So what do they do? Call the agent and let's go get us a new home. I, I want some uncertainty. Yeah. And, um, you know, uncertainty is where all that passion lives, and that's that's where the fire of a relationship can, can occur. Uh, where, again, un, we're, nothing wrong with people that live in certainty. They're perfectly fine people. But, uh, they, you know, the spice of life is is, is gone, and they need... You know, the bottom line is everybody has certainty and uncertainty, but some people live in certainty more than they live in uncertainty and vice versa. So we we can get in we get into that. And I'll just touch on the other two basic human emotions or or the emotional needs of people. This is why people do what they do. Is, okay. Uh, significance and love and connection. And those kind of work in paradox as well. Um I when I was doing self-examination, I was a person that really lived in significance. And uh, that means, you know what, I I want to do things to get results. I want to be the leader of the team. I want to be the superstar. I want to be a rock star, and I want to gain significance. And that's, you know, and that's why I achieved what I did. That's what high achievers do. And what I learned was that living in a state of significance and meeting my needs. I mean, whatever. Whenever I had to make a decision, I found myself saying, "I am going to be in a state of significance to do this." Um, what what it comes down to is, you know, what you're never going to be the best at everything, and and it leads to burnout, and it leads to you comparing yourself to other people that are better than you. And mm-hmm. and here's the deal: there's always somebody better. So the worst thing that can happen in your life is that you attain every goal that you've ever set. And you look around and you go, is, is this all there is? I mean, that's it? I hit my goal again? So then you go get another goal and you hit it, and so you're never satisfied. You're living in a constant uh, struggle of never being satisfied no matter how successful and how much you accomplish. You become Monty Burns in The Simpsons. That's exactly right. <laughs> He's a lot of significance, and he needs a lot of certainty too probably. And he looks like a lonely guy. And you can become very lonely. And then that paradox <laughs> with love and connection, which is the the fourth and the fourth basic human need. And obviously, love and connection. Uh, when we when we do our seminar, what we do is we we talk about. I mean, it is what it is. Is it's you know a person that really wants to get into the the deeper part of relationships with people that wants that connection. I always ask people, out of those four basic human needs, do you want your spouse to make you feel certain? uncertain, significant, or love and connected? And I think everybody answers, you know what, I really want my spouse to feel love and connected. They don't, you know, they don't want them to feel certain, uncertain, or significant if they're really being honest and if they really have time to think about it. However, when I ask the question, where do most of you live, you know, most of the people are living in certainty and significance, not in love and connection. And I always say that it's funny that, Everybody wants to have love and connection, yet they never want to give love and connection. And and that's kind of the aha moment of our of our I do this with management teams mostly because 
when we manage salespeople uh, and we look at salespeople in a management setting, uh, these salespeople, the reason they're doing what they're doing can automatically, and if you really look at it, be tied to their critical question and can be tied to their their production, their activity, their mindset is all traced to one of those four basic human needs. And so we... Well, what- what has been my aha moment of our show today, yes. Glenn, is that sales allow us to explore all these nuances of human relationships. That's Correct. what our discussion has been about. How fun is that? I think it's awesome. You did a great I job. I do too. I'm totally loving it. And so, and I love the word paradox. That you know, life is uh, uh, full of them. Things can be at once, um, uh, you know, firm yet flexible and uh, bittersweet and that that these things coexist. And the deliciousness is is finding a way to connect um, being as complicated as we are. And sales is a great way to develop relationships. And your understanding of relationships is why you're such a great salesperson. Well done. Thank you. It's, yeah, sales sales is certainly not making people feel – like crap. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> Let's not Let's summarize, shall we? <laughs> yeah, don't make them feel like crap. That's not really going to help. And I think that's important. I, I can feel your love and care and kindness. And, and uh, when you started by talking about how you developed your team, oh, isn't that just uh, a, a great reason to be part of a team is so that you can help each other grow? We've got just a few minutes left, and this has been very inspiring and, and super helpful in terms of wanting me to, to get together with my team so we can make ourselves even better in terms of doing right by our customers. But before we wrap up, do you have a couple of, of tactics or sales tips? I understand the overall philosophy is more important. It's not so much what you say as what motivated you to say it, but what you say is also important. So what would you like to leave us with, or what did you want to communicate today in the last few minutes that we have together? Uh-huh. Uh, sales today, and I got this. I was on a call with Jeffrey, and and the man is brilliant. But what people there's a couple things people need to understand what's going on in sales today. Number one, you you must have a list. Okay, uh, look, we had the industrial revolution. You know, we had manufacturing drive our economy and industry. Then we had uh, internet. And technology drive our industry, drive the economy. Then it was real estate that drove the economy. We are in what's called an information economy. And those who create information, which is what you're doing with your show, you're doing a great job. Those who create the content, those who distribute the content, those who control the content are the ones that are going to make millions, and they're doing it right now. If you've heard of the greatest Internet marketers, they're doing incredible things with content. There's content overload, but the point is that's where money's being found. So you must have your list of your client base. It's all about building your email list and understanding how can I create love and connection with all the people that are on my list, how can I give value to the people on that list, and um, we have to create an environment of engagement with that list. Uh, I know that's not specific, but if, if there's anything that people are listening to today, they've done business with customers and they're not contacting them. Mm-hmm. So what we need to do is make sure we got our list 
and make sure we engage them, educate them, and entertain them, and you'll never lose another sale again. You're not going to have to cold call again because you will be their source because you're going to control that content, create that content, and distribute it to your people. I think that's, that is, um, at one, philosophical and a really great tactic because getting the list, it's easy to do. It's easy not to do it. It's easy not to ask for the email address and to, you know, put a list together that's complete. I know it's a little bit of housekeeping, but it's so, so worth it. And as you've been visiting, we're actually good at a lot of the things that you talked about today, and I'm still absolutely humbled and ruined by how much better we could be. So <laughs> well, I'm inspired. Thank you. <laughs> all, we are all there. So, but I, I I thank you very much for letting me be a part of your uh, discussion, and uh, I value your uh, hour with me, and you've certainly given me some things to think about, and I hope we gave your listeners something that will help them grow. Well, I'm, I know you did, and I invite people who I think are going to share something with me that's worth uh, uh, worth my time and energy, and you have so exceeded my expectation. Thank you so much. I'm on fire to right. uh, um, to go forth and love our customers. So thank you so much for sharing these these words of wisdom. We're delighted to be able to participate in uh, Jeffrey's launch. What's the name of the book? Uh, the uh, the name of the book is Social Boom. Social Boom. Yes. I knew it was about social media. Social Boom. I love the name. What color is it? The gray and red. Gray and red. Okay. Uh, they pictures. always are packaged so nicely too. Yeah, oh, he's he's got great brand extension, but uh, you can follow him on Twitter uh, at Gittimer, and I am Mr. G. Bill on Twitter, uh, if you want to follow G. that. Mr. G. Bill. Mr. Okay, G. great. R-G-B-I-L-L. And um, we'll, be, we'll be posting uh, messages of value for you to follow, and we'd love to follow. I think I'm already following you, so that's... I saw uh, that you just followed me. Now, Twitter, I've, now, I've just started getting my feet wet on Twitter. I'm in love with Facebook. I feel like, you know, there's a, a website out there when parents text and, uh, you know, <laughs> the problems when someone my age actually gets in, involved in social media. But that's okay. Damn the torpedoes. I'm in. I, that's I love right. It. You better be or you're, <laughs> you're going to get Well, left. thanks so much, and thanks for listening. And if you want to listen again, we'll have this radio show um, stored on our website by tomorrow. Um, go back, listen to uh, some of the other radio shows we've done. We've had some amazing guests, and Glenn, you are one of them. So thanks so much for joining us on the Bare Bones Biz radio show. All right. Thank you. You're okay, fabulous. love to Jeffrey and the rest of the team. Oh, no, we're out of time. Thanks to my super smart guest, and thank you for joining us. You can listen in again at blogtalkradio.com slash barebonesbiz. So down with the ball and chain of 20-hour workdays and piles of debt. Make some money. Fix and grow your own extraordinary business. And until next time, this is Ellen. I wish you love, peace, prosperity, and freedom.